0: On December 9, 2007, Matthew Murray shot and killed Tiffany Johnson, age 26, and Philip Krause, age 24, at a youth with a mission training center in the Denver, su- Denver suburb of Arvada. He later killed two at New Life Church in Colorado Springs. Despite the deaths, YWAM, youth with a mission, is on track with its missions training program. Training for missions started back again in January, and not one of the 120 uh, students who signed up dropped out director of the Arvada YWAM, Peter Warren, spoke with Christianity Today about the shooting. He said Matthew was in the building for half an hour talking with the students, and then he asked if he could spend the night. Tiffany was called to the front because she handles hospitality. Normally, we would not have someone spend the night without knowing them or arranging ahead of time. That's what she told him. After that, Matthew said, then this is what I've got for you. He pulled out a gun and started shooting. After firing a few shots, he had his foot in the door But at some point, his foot slipped, and he fell back. The door slammed shut on him and automatically locked so he could not get back in again. Right then, other staff and students were driving up, and they saw Matthew banging on the door, trying to get back in. And when he saw them, he ran away. After a student performed CPR on Tiffany, she regained consciousness and asked another trainee named Holly, Is it bad? Holly said, Yeah, it's bad. Tiffany looked at Holly and her boyfriend, Dan, who was also shot, and said, we do this for Jesus, right, guys? We do this for Jesus. This morning, I want to share with you some thoughts about why we live and who we live for. Why do you live? What are you living for? What is your purpose? I want to talk about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to talk about following in Jesus' footsteps. Jesus gives three commands in Matthew chapter 16 verses 24 through 28 that I want to focus on this morning. We're going to look at that passage. The road that Jesus walked was not an easy one. The road Jesus walked was not an easy one. And the one he calls us to follow is almost as difficult. He calls us to a kind of spiritual death that takes time and effort. He calls us to a place where there are no comfort zones. He calls us to the cross. And that's what we're going to talk about. So if you got a Bible, if you can locate a Bible, if you can grab a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 16, we're going to start. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus and his disciples were in the region of Caesarea Philippi. It's on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. Now, the map is kind of hard to see, but I put little arrows there for you. You can see Jerusalem way down in the south part there, the Jordan River running between the Sea of Galilee and and uh, the Dead Sea, and then you got uh, the, the Sea of Galilee up there, kind of towards the north, and even north of the Sea of Gal- Galilee is the region of Caesarea Philippi. It was there that Jesus asked his disciples a very important question. Matthew 16:13 says that Jesus asked them, "Who do people say that the Son of Man is?" His disciples said that some uh, said that he was John the Baptist, others said that he was Elijah, others said Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then Jesus asked them who they thought that he was, and Simon Peter spoke up. Matthew 16:16 16, 16 says that Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When Peter, what Peter was saying was that Jesus was the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. He was the very Son of God. Peter knew this because it had been revealed to him by God, the, the Heavenly Father. After pronouncing a blessing on Peter, Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Interesting. It was at this point that Jesus started to make things clearer for his disciples. He began revealing to them the plan, the reason that he was born, the reason that he came to earth, the reason uh, for his very existence on this planet. Jesus revealed it to them. He started to talk to them about how things were going to go. He started to explain why it was that he had come to earth. He was going to Jerusalem, and the Jewish leaders and the teachers would kill him. He would suffer, and he would die. But on the third day, he'd raise again. He'd come back to life. Peter, the one who had just been blessed and commended by Christ, pulls Jesus aside. Jesus is telling him, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and they're going to kill me but I'm going to rise again. Peter grabs him, pulls him aside, and begins to rebuke him. He says, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And Jesus then turns to his disciples, and he addresses them in Matthew 16, 24 through 28. If anyone would come after me, He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man. Coming in his kingdom. In 1904, William Borden graduated from the from a Chicago high school. As heir to the Borden Dairy Estate, he was already a millionaire. As a high school graduate, he was a millionaire. Uh, the Borden family uh, of the you know the cow and the milk and the cheese and the stuff. Uh, from his high school grad for his high school graduation present, his parents gave him a trip around the world. <laughs> As, as the young man traveled throughout Asia, the Middle East, and Europe, he felt a growing burden for the world's hurting people. Finally, Borden wrote home to say, I'm going to give my life to prepare for the mission field. At the same time, he wrote two words in the back of his Bible, no reserves. Indeed, Borden held nothing back. During his college years at Yale University, he became a pillar in the Christian community. One entry in his personal journal stated that... Uh, Defined the source of his spiritual strength simply said say no to self and yes to Jesus every time Say no to self and yes to Jesus every time During his first semester at Yale Borden started a small prayer group that would transform campus life This little group gave birth to a movement that spread across the campus by the end of his freshman year 150 freshmen were meeting for weekly Bible study and prayer by the time Bill Borden was a senior, 1,000 of Yale's 1,300 students were meeting in such groups. Borden also strategized with his fellow Christians to make sure every student on campus heard the gospel, and he was often seen ministering to the downtrodden in the streets of New Haven. But his real passion was missions. it's what he wanted to do. Once he narrowed his missionary call to the Kansu people of China, Borden never wavered. Upon graduation from Yale, Borden wrote two more words in the back of his Bible, no retreats. In keeping with that commitment, Borden turned down several high-paying job offers, enrolling in seminary instead. After graduating, he immediately went to Egypt to learn Arabic because of his intent to work with Muslims in China. While in Egypt, he contracted spinal meningitis. Within a month, 25-year-old William Borden was dead. Prior to his death, Borden had written two more words in his Bible. Underneath the words, no reserves and "No no retreats, he had written, no regrets. Now, there are three commands that Jesus gives in this passage that we are to follow. If we're going to follow in his footsteps, we've got to follow these three commands. The first is deny yourself. If we're going to follow Christ, we must deny ourselves. The Greek word here used for deny is the same Greek word used later on in Matthew's gospel at another denial. See, Jesus says deny yourself. But that same word is used later on when Peter denied knowing Christ three times on the night before Jesus' crucifixion. I find that to be very interesting. It makes me wonder if there's a connection between the two. You see, in one instance, Christ followers are called to a life of self-denial in order to follow Jesus. In the other instance, a Christ follower denies knowing Jesus for the purpose of self-preservation. Could it be that a life of self-preservation leads to denying Christ? Could it be that a life of self-denial is the beginning of following in Jesus' footsteps? You see, if one is focused solely on the self, one cannot follow Jesus. In order to follow the master, one must keep their eyes on the master. And if one is focused on oneself, one cannot follow the master. Self-centeredness and self-preservation are the opposite of discipleship. Of course, there are, very, there are people, there are many people who are very good at denying themselves. Uh, They're they're very good at at self-denial But they are not followers of Jesus Christ That's why I said that a life of self-denial Is the beginning of following in Jesus' footsteps There is more to discipleship and following in Jesus' footsteps Than just denying oneself But that is the first step That is the first thing we must do Putting our wants and our desires on the back burner For the sake of Christ's call, His cause, and His kingdom Here's a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer He said, to deny oneself is to be aware only of Christ and no more of self, to see only him who goes before, and no more the road, which is too hard for us. Once more, all that self-denial can say is, he leads the way. Keep close to him. That makes sense. If Jesus is our leader, if Jesus is the master, if he knows where he's going, which he does, then it makes sense to keep close to him. And to do that, we have to deny ourselves. Discipleship is all about following Jesus and denying the self. The self always wants to be pleased. The self always wants to be gratified. To follow in Jesus' footsteps, we must say no. We must deny ourselves our sinful desires and our selfish wants. We must put Christ first and follow him. Jesus' second command is to take up our cross. Now, this has more to do. uh, There has to be more than just self-denial going on in our lives. Like I said many people have denied themselves all kinds of things and for various reasons But we have to take up our cross as well. Well, what does that mean? How does one take up the cross? How does one take up a cross? Let's examine what the cross is The cross is a place of execution. The cross is a place of death There is no comfort in the cross The cross is where Jesus was nailed to secure forgiveness for all who accept God's gracious offer of salvation It is by God's grace applied to our faith In Christ that brings us salvation and when we accept that offer of uh, By faith uh, that offer of grace by faith repentance confession and baptism We are forgiven and we receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit Once we decide to follow Christ He calls us to daily self-denial and a daily take-up of the cross the cross is where we die to ourselves. The cross is where we give up all the things of the world. The cross is where we put to death the, uh, those things that hinder us in our relationship with God. The sin, the pride, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, the lust, the anger, and a host of other sins have to be put on that cross on a daily basis. And why do we do this? Because it's good for our souls. Jesus spoke specifically in verse 26 about greed. What good is it if you gain the whole world? But forfeit your soul You know you could go out and work real hard and get ahead and have a really nice life for yourself But what happens if you spend all that time and effort to succeed in this life And then you lose out on the life to come Jesus said that he would be coming back to reward everyone for what they had done What kind of reward are you looking for? What kind of reward are you looking forward to? A reward that is found only in this life Only to lose your Lose your soul And to lose uh, eternity with God? To spend an eternity separated from God? Or are you looking for an eternal reward that is found only in denying yourself and taking up your cross? Taking up one's cross is not easy. It is a difficult life. There is no comfort in the cross. But the rewards are out of this world. Literally. Consider the cost of taking up your cross. Is it worth it? Is momentary discomfort worth an eternity with Christ? This life is merely temporary, but heaven is eternal. The third command Jesus gives is to follow him. Remember what Jesus had just told his disciples. He was making his way to Jerusalem in order to be killed. Are we ready to follow Jesus to Jerusalem? We deny ourselves and our own ambitions, drives, and comforts. We take up the cross and we carry it as we follow Christ. We follow him all the way to jerusalem for it is in jerusalem where we give up our lives, but we find true life there as well It was in jerusalem that jesus was crucified, but it was in jerusalem where he was raised to eternal life If we follow him even to the point of losing our lives, we will find eternal life with him as well If we were to lose our lives for the cause of christ, jesus promises that we will find true life in him Are we prepared to make that sacrifice? Would you die for your faith in christ? Would you lay down your life for jesus? Well, here's a more important question. Here's an even harder question to answer Will you live for christ? Will you deny yourself daily take up your cross and follow him even it means even if it means following him all the way to Jerusalem and dying would you die for christ? Will you live for christ? The question of discipleship is just that will you live for christ? That's what it means to follow Jesus. How many of you have ever seen the show All in the Family? Huh? Archie Bunker? Yeah? Yeah? There's a popular 1970s CBS series that made the curmudgeonly Archie Bunker a household name. In one scene, Archie's son-in-law, Michael, Meathead, and his wife, Gloria, are in the kitchen. Michael is eating a sandwich, and Gloria is baking cookies. Gloria asks him, Michael, do you love me? Yep. He manages in between bites. Would you give up your life for me, she asks, right after I finished this sandwich. Ma saw this movie on TV. It takes place in the desert. The husband gives up his life so his wife can live. I was just wondering if you would do the same for me. Sure, honey, if we're ever in the Sahara together, uh, you got my life. You got any pickles? Gloria sighs and says, Michael, I'm serious. I mean, if we were stranded in the desert and we had just enough water for one of us, what would you do? I'd flip you for it. Gloria is visibly exasperated so Michael adds well, honey What do you want from me? That is a very difficult question to answer not many people know how they'd react in a life-and-death situation Okay, forget the desert. She says let's say we're out in the ocean and there's this shark coming at us Would you swim in front of it to save me? How big is the shark? He's big. He's a man-eating shark. Well, then maybe you should swim in front of me to save me Why because it's a man-eating shark. You didn't say it was a woman-eating shark At this point, Gloria has had just about enough. I'm just trying to find out how much you care for me. I care for you, honey. If you care for me, you'll let me finish the sandwich. Gloria grabs the sandwich out of his hands and looks him in the eye glaringly. Michael, we are lost in the mountains. This is our only food, our only chance for survival. Would you give me this sandwich? I wouldn't have to. You'd take it from me. (laughs) Michael, I just want to hear that you, you would give up your life for me. Would you say it? Gloria angrily walks out of the kitchen and into the living room michael follows her She looks back at him saying just say you'd lay down your life for me. This is ridiculous. How did we get into this? How did we get into this? Just say the words michael? Michael finally gives in exhausted by the whole conversation. All right. All right I'd lay down my life for you Well, jesus asks each of us a very similar question this morning Will you lay down your life for me? That doesn't just mean physically dying. It doesn't mean becoming a martyr. We have to be willing to lay everything down for Jesus. Can we give up the greed, the pride, the lust, the anger, the material things, the the wants, the sinful desires? I'm sitting here this morning taking communion, praying, thinking about my sermon, what I'm going to say and and how it's going to go. And I thought to myself, how can you say this? when you struggle with these very same things that you're talking about. So I ask myself the question, can I give up the greed, the pride, the lust, the anger, the material things, the wants, the sinful desires? See, it's it's not about you. This is about me. This is about my own call to discipleship. This is about Jesus saying, will you, Sean, lay down your life for me? Whatever he may calling us to may be calling us to lay down, will we do it? Will we step out of the comfort zone of sin and selfishness and take up that cross and follow him? I want you to make a list there's a in your bulletin there's a, a sheet for taking sermon notes. Some of you do this faithfully. some of you had no idea that it was there It's on the back of your prayer list and on that list on that page of sermon notes, I want, I want you to make a list. I want you to take that sheet and I want you to make a list. Now, you don't have to do this right now, but I want you to be aware of where that is and I want you to, to make a list. Take some time this week and make a list of everything that you are carrying instead of the cross. Maybe it is greed or materialism. Maybe it is bitterness or anger. Maybe it is pride or arrogance. What are you carrying Instead of your cross. Write those things down. And pray that God would help you lay them down. Lay down. Lay those things down. For Jesus. For the way of the cross. Is the way to life. The way of the cross. Is the way to life. And as that young girl. Asked those around her. We do this for Jesus guys. We do this for Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, there are all kinds of things that hinder us in our walk with you. There are all kinds of things that we carry instead of our cross. When That's exactly what we should be carrying. We should be laying down all the things of this life, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, the sinful desires, the wants, everything that gets in the way of you. We need to lay these things down. I pray that you would bring to mind those things that are hindering our relationship with you. And that you would help us to lay them down and to pick up the cross and to follow Jesus. Even if it means dying, and especially because it means living for him. Thank you for this, for this passage of scripture that, that teaches us the way of discipleship. Help us to follow in Jesus' footsteps each day. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Every Sunday we offer an invitation here. If you've never put your faith in Christ, if you've never accepted his offer of salvation that he freely gives by God's grace, then we invite you to come and do that. Uh, We're going to stand. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment. We invite you, if you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus, we invite you to come forward and uh, we will baptize you. Uh, If you're ready for that today. Uh, If you are not ready for that today, but you're thinking about it I want you to give me a call. I want you to talk to me 895-6692. That's my cell phone number 895-6692. Give me a call. Talk to me about Anything about your walk with God about your faith your journey of faith. Let's talk I want to find out where you're going and I want to help you get to where you want to be if you are not If you're already a baptized believer, but you're not a member of our church, you're not a part of our church family, we invite you to come forward and become part of our family. Just put your membership here. All you got to do is walk forward, repeat a confession of faith, and boom, you're part of the family. And uh, we'd love for that to happen. Or if you need someone to pray with, we have some elders who'd love to pray with you this morning. They'll be up front here, and uh, they'll be glad to pray with you. Let's stand and let's sing together.